Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered. October Unfiltered this time coming your way right here and now. We are live on Twitter as well here on a Tuesday on my YouTube channel and the YouTube channel for Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V, uh, courtesy of the Believe Network. We and courtesy of Bet Online bring you October Unfiltered. You could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at all times at Casey Stern. Then get in the Twitter bio, click, get on the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, watch the videos, and connect with me throughout the course of the season, the offseason season. Of course, uh, we are predominantly on the baseball side here and certainly on October Unfiltered. We've got a lot today. Join us yesterday. You know we'll be here with live guests throughout the course of the postseason. Tomorrow, doubleheader. Uh, so we will be uh, off tomorrow here from the live version, but return live on Thursday and then throughout on a daily basis, uh, weekdays and whatnot on the weekends as well during some of these big games of the LCS and the World Series. You'll be able to find us live at noon Eastern time. Of course, welcome as well if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, everywhere where you get your podcasts. Had a fun show yesterday. If you missed it, you can go back, catch up on that, especially if you're looking for a preview of tonight's Game 1 for the NLCS. We began that yesterday. We'll have more of that coming up here live on this show this afternoon. Guests coming up on this program, very happy to have a friend and a former teammate over at MLB Network Radio, my buddy Mike Stanton, former longtime uh, reliever and a very successful one in the postseason for the New York Yankees. He, uh, one of the hosts of Believe in the Bronx, will join me, also covers the Astros. So uh, two birds, one stone there. One of the great minds in the game and great people. And, of course, everybody knows of the battle he had behind the scenes this year. We're all rooting for him. He's just such a quality dude. My guy, Buck Martinez, the Silver Fox, will join me on the show coming up here at 1220 Eastern, about 20 minutes time. And very excited to have from Believe in Atlanta. He's not as excited, I'm sure, after what happened to the Braves to talk about the layoff and to get his perspective on what he saw from the Phillies as they entered the series against the Padres. Robert Taylor will join me. I feel like calling him Tractor because it reminds me of a tractor trailer. Uh, he will join me coming up later on at 1245 Eastern time. So a lot to cover as always. We're presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends is your continued source for all sports wagering info. Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag to join. Get your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. You got to believe. 
Bet Online is the place to go because Bet Online is where the game starts. We get started with this, and that is uh, something that never started yesterday, and that is the game that was rained out, Game 5 of the ALDS between the Guardians and Yankees. They will get going just after 4 o'clock Eastern time. First pitch in New York today, and it will still be Aaron Silvalli who will go on the Guardian side. It'll be Nestor Cortez now for the Yankees. I have seen this in covering this in the past where rainouts are a factor, and I've seen it when there's been no rain. And one of the things we'll talk about with Mike Stanton is what happened yesterday, and a lot of the fans I know very upset, Brian Cashman among others talking about it. You would hope maybe concessions get some. I haven't seen anything yet, but maybe, you know, I don't know if you could do half-price parking, but if there's something you could do for the concessions for the same people who after waiting all those hours and spending all that money for you while they waited in the rain and then sitting in that traffic, I was reading reports, people out of the parking garage till at midnight last night. For those people to come back this afternoon and turn around, take off work, you would hope that Yankee Stadium will do them uh, you know, some solid work and get them some kind of a discount on something. There's got to be something you could do for them. It's a terrible spot. But from the baseball standpoint, you always think about who the rainouts affect. One that stands out to me probably more than any that I've covered in my 20 years doing this, you go back to when the Texas Rangers played against the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series. And Chris Carpenter was at that time a dominant dude. He was a bad man. This was a guy you did not want to face. And there was a rain out. I think it was in game six at the time. And there was a question whether it was going to be Derek Holland or Matt Harrison on the other side. And after pitching brilliantly earlier in the series with the hand on the shoulder from Wash, now part of that brave staff, Holland uh, Dutch oven himself on Twitter is a great follow, by the way, uh, does not get the nod. It's Harrison in that game seven. And because of the rainout before game seven, Chris Carpenter was able to turn around to pitch that game on short rest. And I'm not going to say that was the only reason, but it certainly was one of the reasons that the Cardinals won that World Series. These things happen. And a lot of times what happens in that case, I remember I was doing a three hour pregame show before we got started. And I remember discussing and we had a, a at the time as an MLB network radio, Jim Duquette and Jim Bowden were with me and our producer at the time. Shout out to my guy, Jacob Stevens Kittner. We had as our weatherman who was standing in the middle of the field. There was no rain. It never rained. It got rained out and it never rained. And that game getting pushed might have changed the entire landscape of what happened in that World Series. Now, we've seen other rain scenarios. Speaking of the Guardians, when they were the Indians, go back to Rajai Davis and the rain delay. One of the craziest things I have ever experienced and ever witnessed from a behind-the-scenes standpoint in this sport, people, was standing in that well from the eighth inning on in that game to waiting to go on the field in that World Series with the Cubs. And at the time, Joe Torre working in the league office and in the umpire room right there, Joe Torre walking with Chris Antonetti and Theo Epstein in the middle of that kind of game to discuss whether or not the rain delay was going to be too long and they wouldn't be able to get things going as we get going and welcome in my guy, Mike Stanton, who is so good to see it. So long time. No speak. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Casey, man, it has been a long time, dude. It's good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you too. So I was just talking about, and let's start with, let's talk rain. I was, I was given a couple of scenarios that stood out to me. One was I remember covering the World Series where Chris Carpenter was able after rain out to come back on short rest in a game seven and beat the Rangers with the Cardinals. And of course, the rain delay with the Guardians at the time, the Indians with Rajai Davis with the homer, where they weren't sure whether or not they would continue the game the next day. Right. We wonder who it's going to affect. Let's start here. Having Nestor Cortez, who would have been a factor yesterday, now be a factor to start the game. How beneficial is that of a change for the Yankees here after that rain out yesterday? 
You know, I was talk to, uh, talking with uh, Pete Caldera last night on our, our podcast on Believe in the Bronx. Uh, 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 shameless plug there. No, um, please, please do. <laughs> I, I keep saying you got to believe as much as I can. B-L-E-A-D. That's right. Go, That's ahead, right. go ahead. You know, I really think that this actually swings things a little closer to the Yankees side because I felt like for the guardians, you know, they had the absolute hammer as far as the bullpen is concerned. You know, the, the, the Yankees bullpen, there's a lot of questions. They were used the night before guys like Clay Holmes, you know, where earlier in the, in the series, they didn't want to use him because they didn't want to go back to back. Didn't want to put him at risk. Didn't really understand that. But um, especially since he said he was good to go, but now they all got, now they have rest and now you get to bring um, uh, Nestor Cortez back on short rest, which the style of pitcher he is, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, you, this isn't a guy that's out there trying to throw a hundred miles an hour. He's sinking the ball, <clears throat> excuse me, sinking the ball, cutting the ball, changing speeds. And I, I think now the only thing, the only caveat here is I don't think he's going to be able to go nearly as deep in the game as you would like him to go. But, you know, then you have Shane Bieber on the other side coming back. Another guy, not a flamethrower, but, you know, Bieber's coming off of injury. You know, it's been a little bit more question mark. They weren't even sure. I mean, Tito had actually said that Bieber they're starting, was. They're going to start going and they're going to start Savali to, today. Right. Yeah. Right. Because now he changed his mind last night. And I understand why, because it's Shane Bieber. This, you know, when this guy's right, he's one of the best pitchers on the planet. So. You know, it, it's going to be fascinating to see. I still give the edge in the bullpen category to the Guardians, but that gap was shortened quite a bit. Yeah, so yesterday before the game, Tito had said that even with the day delay, he wouldn't start Bieber. They right. left it TBD. It just was recently announced. It will be Savali today still. Oh, who's going to make the start. And I want to talk about this because I, wanted, I want to get back to Clay Holmes and discuss because the communication from a reliever, and you could speak to this better than anybody about how important that is, as I'm sure you have great memories and also some terrible ones in your career of managers that you've had, I'm sure, who didn't understand the communication, right, of that uh, what we – we used to call it, it's a family show, but the dry hump, if you will, of how many times guys go back and forth. Mm -hmm. The This is, and I love Booney, but this is not the, the home situation, which is bad and looks bad, which we'll get to. This is, Tito cares about his kids. Right. And Bieber had the injury, was out for a long period of time. And mm -hmm. he wants to be careful with him. And I think because of that, he's going to try and delay him. So if they get a big lead, then he doesn't have to go to him and use him. I don't think it's about game one. I think it's more about they just feel like they don't want Bieber to go out there and throw too hard because he can't. A guy like that, you know this more than me, can't go other than max effort. And right. I, I don't think Bieber has more than two or three innings in him. That being said, you know as well as I do, Bieber's probably knocking on Tito's head saying, what the hell, give me the ball. How about that scenario this afternoon where Tito says, hey, look, think he's thinking a player and not the game and thinking about the player's health. Which way do you go on this if you're Bieber, who, you know, wants to pitch this game? You know, it, it's it's a dilemma either way. And, the, and here's what here's what I, I understand what Major League Baseball does now. And this is all organizations. This isn't just the Guardians or the, the Yankees or any. It's, it's all organizations. They really are trying to protect the pitchers, well, from themselves, you know, because, you know, every pitcher, and I was I was guilty many, many, many times that I was on the field that I probably shouldn't have been on the field. And why I was on the field was because I was hard-headed and I wanted the ball. Um, but 
you know, every time a pitcher takes the mound, you're at risk. You know, whether you're healthy or not, whether you're rested or you're overused, you're still at risk. You know, throwing a ball overhand is not the way God created us. That's why our joints break. That's why things happen. Um, but if there was ever a time that you were going to put somebody, we'll call it at risk, is in a situation like this, that the season is on the line and that, um, you know, so the way it works right now, what the player says almost is irrelevant. You know, it almost doesn't matter. Uh, just simply because, you know, a lot of the information that these organizations get, it's coming from upstairs. It's coming from the analytics department. It's coming from their medical department. They say, well, the stats say right here he shouldn't pitch tonight, so he's not going to pitch tonight. Well, I mean, you know, when you lose tonight, you got months and months and months of rest. You know, this would be the time. You know, if you're not going to put somebody, if you're not going to use somebody more than you want to in this situation, then what you know? What are we doing here? What what's the what's the deal? I agree with that. I, I would I would say this, being fair, that you go and I know it's a different situation, Mike. You go to the Tua scenario that we all know about, right, with the concussion, and you have to play. You got to get players out of their own way. Players want to play. They want to yes. pitch. There is a job that, as you're the adult, you're the teacher, you're the parent. If you're the coach or the manager, you got to get out of their own way. I know Bieber wants to throw. But it is dicey to say, hey, Savali will get us the lead. Here's the one problem I have with it, all right? Yes, if you don't have to use Bieber, let's say Savali, let's say he gives you three innings, right? Best case scenario for Tito is it's 2-2 two -two after three innings. Neither guy's great. Now I get, now my bullpen, right? Even though it's, to, to your yeah. point, you're right. It's, it's not as much a difference. It's still a big difference in his favor, sure. right? And maybe I go to Bieber for an inning, but maybe I don't have to. Maybe now with Karinczyk, I could bring everybody back for six outs, and I'll worry about game one and ask Bieber then on, on rest to just go, right? Right. But the dicey part, and here's where I ask you if this makes sense, if you're going in saying Bieber's going to pitch two innings for me, then he should start the game. Sure. Right? Yeah, I, yeah no, no doubt at all. No, I, that is, that, I think that is absolutely true. But the one thing we do know about, you know, when you look at the two managers in this situation, you know, Booney is, you know, yes, he's the manager, but I don't know if he makes all the calls completely. I think on the other side, okay. Tito absolutely does. Oh, they trust him to do it all. With all his experience and everything. And I think that, you know, that's where once you, you know, you can go in with, you know, every one of both of these guys have endless combinations endless scenarios that are going how this game's going to work out but they st there still may be a situation that they don't know what's going to happen so you know you have to be able to to move on the fly and i think the best case scenario for the guardians is going to be if they can get a lead the uh into the sixth inning because now all of a sudden that bullpen for the guardians and in class a at the back end you know with the ability to throw multiple innings um, you know, Karen check another guy, if he's in the strike zone or close to the strike zone, extremely difficult to hit, you know, they have the absolute advantage in the bullpen. So, you know, I, I think that Booney's going to have to look at this a little bit differently. He's going to have to manage almost out to out at most inning to inning to try and not let that guardian bullpen have the lead late in the game. 
Let me go homes with you. And we're chatting here, Mike Stanton, of course, longtime reliever in the postseason for the Yankees. I want to stay because he knows my my affinity that you know he was a Met too. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> seasons, he was, I was he, there. He was a Met too. He was there. Um, the home situation mm-hmm. with the importance of communication and where that lies with the reliever. If the Yankees lose this game tonight, people will still go back to, hey, we had that lead in game three. Right. What was your take on how Booney said, hey, he's not available in case of an emergency, which I guess to him meant 15 innings, right, or some kind of scenario like that. And here's Holmes saying, I'm available. How did you read that situation? Take us inside that. Optics were bad. Optics were bad. And and Booney was saying all the right things. And we know that Aaron, what he's going to do, he's going to protect the player. He's going to protect the organization. He's going to say all the right things. But I like to try and read between the lines. You know, you're watching the video clip, and he was saying the words. I didn't feel like he was believing the words. I did not feel like he was like, you know, we had an opportunity to, you know, to, to, to take advantage in this uh, in this series, and it wasn't, you know, they didn't do it. Um, I, I, just, I just didn't get it. And what made the optics even worse was by, you know, of course, so what's the next thing you do? You go talk to Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes said, I'm okay. I'm ready to go. And that's that's the that's where I said earlier that, you know, it's almost as if what the players say really doesn't matter. Um, well, no one knows how my arm feels, how my body feels more than I do. You know, the doctors don't. No one does. And, yeah, it may be a situation that I'm a little higher risk. But, no, I, I was I was shocked that you're you're in a short series where every win counts even more and you're still protecting someone that says he's healthy and ready to go. So I I was I was a little surprised. I I thought that Holmes should have been in there. Uh, Of course, you know, we don't know the back conversations, but with Clay coming out and say, yeah, I was good to go. I felt good. Uh, And and, um, so, yeah, that I I did not. I, I thought that he should have been in there. They win that game. Who knows what happens? I mean, they may be able to finish it off in four. Uh, last thing for you, and I appreciate you, Mike. And I'll, I'll bug you again as we get down the road here. I, I know how well, obviously, you're locked in and know the Strohs as well, and and yeah. are part of that. You know, this this is such a deep team. Layoffs have hurt teams in the postseason for so so long. I have said this forever. Yeah. I said before this postseason began, people were not paying enough attention. Dodgers hadn't played a big game in forever. Then they get a layoff. The bats always. We have seen this. I remember Jimmy Leland. I mentioned this yesterday. Hall of Fame, one of the great managers ever. Second time he went through it with the Tigers, took him to Lakeland to get them some live abs, and that's not going to help because that's not the postseason. Right. The Astros are now kind of sitting and waiting. These teams now are going to go through. They had a way to rain out. Someone's going to win an exciting game five and feel like they're in heaven, be celebrating yes. tonight. How dangerous is that? No matter who's starting game one and that Verlander guy, pretty decent. How dangerous is this for the Astros at the beginning of the series against either of these teams? Because Oh, it's extremely dangerous. And, and, and because the, 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 the example I always go back to with the Colorado Rockies, you know, uh, when they played the Red Sox in the World Series and they were the best team on the planet after the National League Championship Series. They swept, I don't remember who they swept. Brandon Webb and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, they had to wait, I mean, what was it, seven, eight days or something like that, maybe nine days. I have to go back and and and, and get the, the information, uh, the real data. But they were a completely different team. They would have beat, if, it, if they didn't have the long layoff, I truly right. believe they would have beat the Red Sox. So the Red Me Sox too. came in and the Diamondbacks, or I'm sorry, the Rockies, they were, they were, 
half the team they were prior. I mean, the pitching they couldn't wasn't hit. There. They couldn't the hit. Wasn't there. Couldn't hit. Timing is everything in hitting, and you can practice all you want. You can't duplicate the emotion. You can't duplicate the uh, the adrenaline. And so, yeah, it's absolute because whoever wins tonight, yeah, they're going to be tired, but they're going to be on cloud nine, man. They're going to be. It's going to be pure adrenaline. And then they get to tell you the truth. I know that you. We look at the pitching. And, and that's a, a huge part of whether you're going to win or not. But turning around and playing on emotion, um, that is one of the best situations you can have. I mean, so, yeah, I think the, you know, it, the Astros are going to have to to kind of weather that storm, whichever team it is. They're going to have to weather that storm of that, uh, that, that adrenaline high that whatever team wins is going to be on come tomorrow. Two things quickly. I'll let you on one. Remember, Game one against Seattle, that could have been a different story with that same momentum if Alvarez doesn't come through because it looked like that was the story. And two, Rockies win 21 out of 22 days down the stretch. Then they beat a Philly team that they were the underdogs, beat them. They took Brandon Webb, Cy Young kind of year, and swept Arizona on the road. And then to your point, other than, than Matty Holiday, nobody hit. I mean, that was it. They, they stuck. So I, I'm, I'm so there with you. I appreciate you, Mike. I'll bug you next week again. It's good seeing you, buddy. Casey, anytime, my friend. Good seeing you. All right, you too. There he is, uh, Mike Stanton, the great Mike Stanton. As uh, we get more on uh, this layoff and this game here today and managerial decisions and much, much more with, with my dude, the Silver Fox. There he is. Hello, Buck Martinez. How are you, sir? Well, Casey, how, how are you? I'm doing... I'm doing great, my friend. So let, let me start with, with that. And I, I, I think you heard what, what Mike and I were talking about with the layoff. How much... Was that a factor from what you saw Braves, Dodgers, beginning of the Houston series, Yankees in total? How, how much should be made of it? Well, it's a big deal, Casey. Simply, as a baseball player, you do things every, every day. I'm doing those things every, every day. You lose your edge. I don't know where you've been. And it's just it's a routine. It's, and, uh, you, you can't... Uh, Again, it, it, it's just something that has to be normally. And then when you have that long layoff, about it with, with the Tigers, and of course you just talk. And, and you know, uh, I did that world. Let me remember that uh, Colorado was just, and they were the best team at that time at the championship series in the National League. So, about it. And look, look at the Phillies. I mean, the for their lives to get in and all of a sudden have the most dangerous lineup of anybody. Yeah, it, it it's fascinating, Buck, because, you know, momentum, they say, is as good as your next day's starter. Uh, the rain changed that scenario here in the Yankees case where Nestor Cortez gets in and you don't have to worry about, you know, you, what innings you'll use him. He gets to start the game. So that changes for Tito. He's thinking player health. Over, obviously, you know, we know Bieber is a competitor and wants to pitch. Savali is going to get the start. If they still use Bieber in this game, which they may for an inning or two, should he be starting then, Buck? How do you how do you see this? It's hard to ever question anything with Tito, but how do you see this with Savali and Bieber? I don't think he's going to pitch at all. Concerned about his well-being. The guys had much more concerned about keeping the kid healthy. And I, I don't you know. He threw his sides session in New York and just looks like, you know, they're keeping their fingers crossed. It's Houston. But I think Tito is, 
uh, checking his players. Uh, he knows that it's more about that kid's career than it is to flair. He's probably not going to be at his best asking him to do that. He's going to give you everything he pressure on him. So I don't think he's going to pitch it at all. You know, on the Yankees' side, there's been a lot made of, of the situation that happened with Clay Holmes earlier in this series. Uh, it should bring and, and help continue to bring a, a certainly very motivated home should he pitch in a game like this today now. But, you know, and I love Booney. It didn't look good. The optics, optics now with social media are different than the game's changed in a lot of ways, even when you managed, which wasn't that long ago, Buck. But, I mean, it's different because everything's about optics and perception. How did you perceive what happened where you've got, you know, Booney saying that Holmes was unavailable in case of an emergency where he meant not season on the line trying to go up 2-1, but if we went into an 18-inning situation, let's say, right, like happened in Houston, and here's Holmes at the same time simultaneously, Buck, telling you he's available. How did you see that? Yeah, there was a lack of communication afterwards, just like Mike's. I was ready to pitch, and you know players are going to say that every player that says no, I'm going to be down. The is going to say I was available. Situations where uh, even during the regular season, Bay, you know, was talking about a stiff neck on the mat. Kevin took him out of the game, and afterwards he said, "Oh well, why didn't you then?" But players were, and I think uh, you know that's unfortunate. A bad light. And if you look at Booney's game, he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, as long as I have, and uh, he's a pretty calm and pretty calm, but he is than ever before. And obviously, if they, I think uh, there could be consequences to manage, but maybe for the GM as well. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree. I mean, look, the Yankees are, you know, people need to remember the shortened season, go back a couple of years ago, they were supposed to be because they were so deep and seemed to be such heavy favorites, Buck, and the Rays took them out, you know, during the year as well. But then Brasso gets Chapman, right, in the series and they get knocked out. They had another year where Booney wins 100 games and then the Red Sox not only knock them off, but go deep. And that's a problem. It doesn't, you know, we know the optics of the American League East. That's important, obviously, not as much maybe to the other Steinbrenners. It would have been to the late George, but but still important. When you talk about managing in, in games like this, how important is feel, even in an analytical world that we're in, Buck? Because we're seeing managers, Bo Mel is, I'm not saying that he, Dusty, Buck Showalter, they don't use analytics. They do. But we're seeing a lot of success from managers who just know the game and they understand the way the game is played and the way it works. How much does feel still need to be paid attention to for managers in these spots, feel, even with all the numbers? Feel is everything. When they made the move with Gosman and took him out to Santana around. When you look at Sanders batting right-handed, but he didn't have as much of bat, you know, he just missed hitting a home and was dealing right there. Why don't analytics will suggest, oh, you know, he's failed. almost hit a home run last time. So he's a much better right-handed hitter. Not with as much, but he doesn't face that many lefties, obviously. Lefty and three home runs is Right, he hits a three. Huge. And I think when you look at Tito, he is one 
in that game in, in, in Cleveland late in the game. It was just basic, basic defense. Ramirez's this little fly ball to the shortstop position. I mean, it would have been a really way. But I, I think feel is everything. Blake Snell getting taken out of the game against the game against Houston and all those things. Dusty has feel. Tito Francona has the feel in his postseason that still trusts their. The Toronto Blue Jays had, a, even though the expectations can make a season not look like it's as good as it is, right? They had a very good season. You, you can't look at it as a bad season, even though Jays fans had such high expectations, right? However, for them to get in and then lose in the way that they did, and I know you're with them every day during the season, we say character building, and we try and find that like in a loss, right? Like for a young group. Is there something to that, that for those young players who are going to be together in this core buck for a long time, that this could be something that they can learn from and use and look, look back on? How do you try and turn what happened into some sort of, not a positive, but some kind of, Nelson Mandela, one of my favorite quotes ever, is he said, I don't lose, I learn. How, how do the, the Jays learn from this? And I can speak, and, and they're both related to the Kansas City Royals. In the early 70s, and couldn't beat them. And then we were chasing the Yankees in 76 and later on, and then began a run. It is a bad character, it is, but we won't know to see them next year. And to see how they were, it was a devastating loss. When you're in fifth inning and you think, okay, making plans for, and you should win, and then back. Passing runs like in the game, something they hadn't done much. Uh, it was a tough loss, but once again, in the playoffs, base hit, put the ball in play, and if you don't have late in the game, you're going to lose. Turn about the Blue Jays at the trade deadline in their bullpen, and it proved to be in two. And game. Last thing for you, and I and I appreciate you for hopping on board. Always, you know that. Um, when you sit here and you look at a game five situation like we've got now, with the Yankees and the Guardians, everybody's going to look at bullpen decisions and things like that. Is there a player that you key on? On the yeah, everybody looks at Aaron Judge, but it, you know, is this a time where hey, you know, John Carlos Stanton, you know. Right, Anthony Rizzo. Somebody got to help him out. I mean, everybody's going to look back at this obviously and say, "This is what happens when you have the kind of season he does." Buck, right? The other team saying, "Don't let him beat me." The Yankee fans saying, "This is the guy who's supposed to do it." Outside of Aaron Judge, how are you looking at this Yankee lineup heading into Game Five in terms of who needs to step up? Well, um, and you know, succeeded in the postseason. Anthony Rizzo, big hits for the Yankees all year long, and so is Josh Thompson. Is kind of under the radar too. He has to be because of what Judge did and the other home run. But Josh Thompson is capable of winning. I mean, he's had a track record. Things like saying the Guardians pitching is so such a dominant bullpen. He pitching at any point in the game. So if survives the lineup once or 
twice, man used to come around and put out any kind of fire. And I don't know if it's better suited to win a tight game. I just think what we've seen them do in the coming back from deficits, putting the battle on a beat in their athleticism. I think they're better. Buck, appreciate you. Thank you so much for the time and hopping in for a few. I'll bug you as we get closer. And you're doing, I know, play-by-play for MLB International for the World Series. So, uh, you know, go, uh, rest the voice. Enjoy yourself. Time with the family. It's good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Casey, good to be with you. All right, there he is, our buddy Buck Martinez, and we appreciate him. So thankful for joining us here on the show. Always great to have him catch up with us. Uh, you know, Buck is, I've I known Buck a long time. He's one of the the best dudes in the world and most sincere. So we appreciate him. Thank you, Buck. Uh, get a chance, of course, uh, to chat with you along the way. If you want to get it on Twitter, you can. All you got to do while you're watching this live on YouTube, you can get into the chat room or you could pop it open on Twitter and chat with us as we go along the way here on the Believe Network. And speaking of which, from uh, Believe in Atlanta, Robert Taylor, kind enough to hop on board as, uh, you know, I, I would say kind enough, not happy probably after what, what happened. Uh, appreciate you, bro. Thanks for hopping on, man. How are you? All right. Man, I am good, and thanks for having me on. Uh, not happy, but hopeful. I can say that. Got a lot to look forward to in Atlanta. Yeah, well, that's sure. I want to ask you about Dansby because that's the one kind of I'm not sure. Let's see in terms of that because that's a guy you got to keep. But let me ask you this, and I know obviously biased and weighted a little bit when I ask this question, but I will tell you if you have not heard, I was sitting there for months saying that when I thought the Mets were going to win the division, I thought the Braves would beat the Dodgers. When I thought the Braves were going to win the division, then I said the Mets would beat the Dodgers. I thought all these teams were in danger with these layoffs, all these teams that, that were going to sit there and have these buys because layoffs kill baseball teams in October. How much of that and what you saw of that baseball team do you put to the layoff that the Braves had to face, Robert, heading in? A lot because Brian Snicker even said it in some of his postgame interviews that, you know, hitting an offense, it's like a light switch. It can go on and off. And if you really think about it, everybody got a rest in that last game versus the Marlins at the end of the season. I think Olsen and Swanson got trotted out just so they could get credit for playing 162 games, but then he sat. So everybody really sat for close to a whole week, not just the five days. And if you're not facing live pitching in that kind of environment, that game environment, you know, you can get in the cage all you want. But it doesn't, it, do, it does, there's no replacement. And like, you know, Mike said earlier, emotion. If you want to talk about playing on emotion, the Phillies left home for what, almost two weeks, didn't even know they were going to be in the playoffs. Then they find themselves in, they roll into St. Louis, take care of the Cardinals, they roll down to Atlanta. And, it, you know, it's a classic example of who's hot at the right time. People have always, and I was talking about this before. Like this idea, and look, we're not players, but I talk to enough players. You ask, they know. You ask them, right? Pitchers like rest. Now, if it's three weeks, maybe not. But they like additional rest. They're tired at the end of the season. All their arms are hurting. They're all giving what they can. I'm not trying to make excuses for Max Scherzer, but you know as well as I do, even though I'm a Mets guy, you're a Braves guy, that you know this guy wasn't dealing at optimal. He beat both our teams, to, you know, to crap for years. So we know that dude wasn't, you know, on on it the way he needed to be. And a lot of pitchers aren't. So the extra rest helps them. But hitters rest kills you. Because you can't simulate. I was mentioning it before, and it's, it's ironic because it's the one that always stood out to me. I remember talking to the Tigers staff. They, the second time they dealt with that layoff, it happened to them twice. The second time they swept the Yankees was the year that uh, A-Rod was benched by Girardi. The Tigers never trailed in the series. They look unbeatable. 
They went in a layoff, and he was like, this isn't happening to me again. He takes him down to spring training, but you're facing your own teammates. I mean, it's like saying that, hey, look, don't worry, right? Like, if as long as Conor McGregor, you know, spars against someone good, he's going to go beat Khabib if they fight. Like, you can't, like, do those kind of things. Not that work worked that way. How much do you think this could be a problem moving forward? Because that's what I'm thinking, man. I'm like, okay, like, how are you going to fix this? You're trying to give an advantage, Robert, right, to the teams that win a division, but you don't want to overreact after one year. But are we going to sit here, you and I, you know we're going to battle for the division again next year. Are we going to say, hey, you take it? I don't want it. You know what I mean? How are we going to fix this? Exactly. And and besides, you know, the Dodgers also had the onus of winning 111 games. And, and statistically speaking, the team with the best record in baseball doesn't normally go on to win the big one. But then you give them the time off. You know, on social media and Twitter, people have suggested maybe the wild card is just a one game play in instead of a three game series. But we all know MLB is a business. It's about money and advertising and three games are better than one. I don't know how you do it because I was on my podcast earlier this morning and I talked about it. Just like you said, are people going to be pulling back and saying, Hey, we don't want that. Cause Brian Snicker thought they needed it. You know, his pitchers obviously did, but then we saw Max Fried come out still recovering from the flu. So the rest didn't help him. Spencer Strider way too much rest and he was rusty. So I don't know. MLB is going to have to take a long look at that. And I don't know, do they change it this year, but you have to, you have to think, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Astros. Like you were saying, if this, if we see this trend, then somebody somewhere is going, owners, players alike are going to say, okay, come on. Now there's a little bit of an unfair advantage here. The teams get to roll right in and keep going as opposed to guys having time off. October unfiltered rolling here. The Believe Network is always presented by our friends at Bet Online. Robert Taylor, Believe in Atlanta, joining me. And, you know, just a couple of things uh, to what you said. Number one, and I've been saying this a lot, don't forget, it's not like it didn't happen to the Astros already because in that game one, Seattle put it on them early. The bats weren't going. And if Alvarez, you know, it's an if, but if he doesn't hit that, all of a sudden the Mariners win game one. And that momentum then continues. And we'd have another series that could go a totally different way. And to your point, as I mentioned with Mike, now they're going to deal with a layoff here. And the rainout to me makes it even harder for that game one for Houston because someone's going to win in a crazy way this afternoon and roll right into a team. And yeah, it's Verlander, but we've seen him get hit in the postseason. It's happened before. And I love him. He's a great, it's happened to him before. So, you know, let's not forget Pujols got him, what, twice. Sandoval in a world series. So this has happened. We'll see what occurs. I, I want to ask you this on, on Dan's beat quickly because i i'm a huge fan of him as a as a player right taking the met stuff out of it i've used this comp i've talked about it with guys i know that cover the braves like mark bowman he he is is so chase utley to me and i mean that complimentary in terms of he's a gamer he is always the guy up in a big spot who does everything that you need they've saved a lot of money robert on these contracts okay a lot i know they've spent but they've saved a ton of money at worst if they don't give him the highest offer how pissed off will you be? Well, I think it, it all boils down to who Dansby is as a person because he is from here. He went to high school right down the road at Marietta High School. Is he going to take a hometown discount because he knows who he's going to be playing with for the next seven or eight years? He knows he's throwing across the diamond to Olsen. Riley's to his, over to his right. He knows what he's got here. He knows the culture here. He's comfortable here. And Chipper Jones even said it during the Freddie Freeman segment. He says, if you want to play in Atlanta, you play in Atlanta. You maybe take a little less to stay somewhere where you're happy and you know what you've got. So you got to take that into account. Also, too, it's another one of those things where Dansby says he wants to be here. AA says he's a glue guy and he wants him here. 
is it lessons learned with Casey Close and Excel management? Or are we going to go through another one of those things where he starts? I've heard the Cubs and the Giants uh, thrown around some. There's a lot to it. And again, it's a business and it's not it's it's not so much as simple anymore as he wants to be here. We want him here. We'll get it done. I think if it doesn't get done relatively soon, within two weeks and, you know, they're 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 kind of rehashing the season now, decompressing. It's not going to happen this week, but if it happens pretty soon, the red flags are going to go up for me for sure. Well, I remember this, and I know you know this for people watching. It's tied to Xander Bogarts. It's tied to Trey Turner. It's tied to Carlos Correa. If Bogarts doesn't come back to the Red Sox, Correa's got a huge relationship with Alex Cora, may end up in Boston. Trey Turner, very much so, and this isn't like a media-driven, which happens sometimes that we always say, oh, they want to go home. Like, Trey Turner has told people that he would like to go back to the East Coast, right? So Trey Turner could be a possibility for the Braves if they don't get the – I mean, you never – you don't know how all of that works – Philadelphia also could fit for him, by the way. So we're not sure, but I, I want to follow quickly on that. And then I want to ask you about Phillies Padres before I let you run, but I, I got to be fair with this, right? Liberty media and the Braves and that ownership, they made a ton of money. All right. They have the battery has made it. I live here too. They made a ton of money in that area. They sold out and had better you know, home attendance than they've ever had this year. They did an amazing job, which happens a year after the World Series, right? Remember, the Nationals didn't get that. That really hurt them. People don't realize that whole franchise in D.C. has changed forever because of COVID. Because if they make the money that you make the year after the World Series in 2020, Juan Soto probably still on the team. Trey Turner might have been extended. People like that's how important that was. But the Braves made tons of money. You got to offer him the most money. Like I'm sorry, from where I stand, I'm the, and I'm not from the outside. I, this is this is a leader on the team. This is a guy who, if you ask me, would I rather have Dansby on the team moving forward, or other than Acuna at his top health? There's no or for me on the whole team. I mean, honestly, because I'm and I mean this, you can find other Austin Riley's, in my opinion, guys who are you can't find Dansby Swanson, the guys who's a shortstop going to lead you on and off the field, going to be that guy who's become a vocal leader naturally and not forced, who's a big hit guy. Even though everything you said is accurate, they got to pay him the most money. You got to offer him. He shouldn't be forced to take less, Robert. Shouldn't. Yeah, and I think right now the Braves are on the hook for about 134 million in 2023, and when the dust settles, I think uh, they're eyeing around 235 million. So the money is there, and you know the Braves have a terrible TV deal too. So, but even even so, when that comes around, there's going to be more money. But what do we have? Forty something consecutive sellouts, I think, and the surrounding uh, you know entertainment and the battery. So the, the money's there. I think it gets taken care of, and and like you said. He really just naturally assumed that role. He just stepped into it and grew into it. And I think we've yet to see his best baseball. I think he's an MVP type guy. He's gotten better at the plate over the last two or three seasons. He's only 28. You give him a six or seven year deal. He's still only 34. And what a lot of people don't understand is, is this is prime years. This is when you hit your stride in baseball, late twenties, early thirties. That's when you produce and put up your best work. And I, you know, AA says it, he's a glue guy. I think we got to keep him. If he, if he gets out of town, I'll be stunned. I'll say that. I'll be stunned if it doesn't happen. I, I've in the postseason when you try, I said this before the, the postseason began. When you make predictions in the postseason in baseball doing this last 20 years, you are an idiot if you're wrong, and you're an ass if you go go chalk. So you're you really there's nowhere in between. Like no matter what you do is wrong. But no one had the Phillies. No one had the Phillies beating the Cardinals, first of all. And that's only a three-game series where anybody could beat anyone. And Jose Quintana was only the guy starting game one. And we still didn't think the Phillies could pull that off, right? 
Nobody had them at all, I don't uh, to me, beating the Braves because the Braves and the Mets both beat the crap out of the Phillies all year long. But to your point, now they're rolling. The front line pitching's there. The bullpen, it seemed like, came together. Very Braves-like with Will Smith last year. Seemingly, at the right time, the, the Phillies' pen is finding itself. Are you now looking at them as much as it's going to begrudge you picking them against the Padres? How do you see this series? Well, you know, John Smoltz said it during the broadcast that the Phillies could be, uh, you know, this year's Braves team. They just, it all clicked. You know, the management change uh, was big for them. This guy brought, he brought a lot to the table and it's kind of changed the look of the team. The Phillies are dangerous right now because they're going to get to throw Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler four times on full rest. That's their reward for taking the Braves out. You, you, you know, the, and, the, and the Padres are all in. They they put their chips on the table, shoved it in to get Juan Soto and make it happen. So I, I do, man. I, I like the Phillies. You know, Alvarado and, and Sir Anthony Dominguez are throwing the ball well. It's pretty evenly matched. But just just the energy that that town and the team has created and how they just steamrolled into this thing, I, I just think it carries them all the way to the World Series. Yeah, I think they're going to be tough to beat. I think it's going to be a fun series. I'll bug you when we uh, get around here next week later in the series. Appreciate it, Robert. Great stuff, man. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, there he is, Robert Taylor, Believe in Atlanta. Make sure to follow that and check in on all things Atlanta sports, including the Braves, where they uh, certainly thought, of all things, they would be discussing baseball. They would continue to play. Remember, 100-plus win teams. The Mets gone. The Braves gone. The Los Angeles Dodgers gone. Don't tell me layoffs are not a thing in baseball because they are. You can never predict. It's not the NBA, first of all, where LeBron could take Booby Gibson and Ogowskis and then the Nick retreads and J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert and go and win a title. You can't do that. If you could, trust me, it wouldn't be just Mike Trout 11 career postseason at-bats in three games. 11. That's all he's got. 98 wins when he and David Fries and Pujols and Howie Kendrick were on that team. Two-thirds of an inning from C.J. Wilson. Mike Sosha and the team went home, and that's it. That's his whole postseason. You can't take teams and drag them there in Major League Baseball. It is not that easy. But trust me, momentum is bigger in baseball, and it's more than just about your next pitcher, which is where we begin as we close by previewing these two games. And we thought we'd have one, but we're getting two in this doubleheader. Let's start with Game 5 of the ALDS coming up just after 4 o'clock Eastern time. Aaron Savali, Nestor Cortez will be on the mound at least to start the game. I want to go back to, and if you're listening on Apple and Spotify, uh, or if you're watching on Twitter, obviously you can go back after on YouTube and go back to the conversation I had with Mike Stanton, but a couple of things that I want to bring back that are important, all right? Number one, Terry Francona, Tito is a guy you trust. His, his players trust him. I mentioned this yesterday, and this is nothing against – I love Manny Acta. He's a great third base coach, a terrific baseball guy, and, and it sounds like I'm back patting, and I kind of am, but I do, I do love the guy. But I remember being in the spring training the year after he was there and asking those players and talking to people that were on that team about Tito. He had been in camp two weeks, and all everybody talked about was, you know, delegating. They're not having Sandy do this, do that, which is a lot of what was happening in the regime before. And here's Terry Francona, Tito going one-on-one -on -one with everybody. His communication skills, he's not having the clay, and I love Booney, but he's not having that situation happen with him. This is a scenario where Bieber is a stud. Bieber is a competitor. Bieber wants to pitch. He's had an injury history. They don't want to push it too far, and they'd like to avoid using him today. In an emergency, here we go back to that word. Do I think they'll use Bieber for an inning? They will. But that's where the question lies. If you're going to say Bieber's unavailable, right, which you don't have to tell us, but you got to tell him, go back to the Holmes and Booney thing, right? If you're going to say he's unavailable and cannot be used, can't be touched, I feel like in A Few Good Men, my favorite movie. You know, 
Were you there where they said Santiago would not be touched before, you know, Kendrick ordered the code red, right, from Colonel Jessup? If you're saying Bieber ain't getting touched, then he's pitching game one if you get there. He can't go into a fourth inning. He can't go into a tenth inning. He's not available. He's not ready. You can't do it. Where the questions come in is if he is going to be available and he could possibly be the guy behind Savali, that's where I question even Tito when I ask, why not start him? If you're going to use Bieber in a third and a fourth inning, why not use him in one and two? If he goes in the first inning and the Yankees put three up on Cortez, maybe you say, okay, well now, you know, look, give me one more inning and we'll just turn it around because Karinchek and all the guys they have down there in Class A, they'll all give me six outs. I can go five innings with these dudes if I want. The Yankees can't say that. The Yankees don't have that. The Yankees are mixing, matching, and they're mixing and matching a hell of a lot of prayer to get through that. That's why the Yankees, look, in a seven-game series, they're not beating Houston. And Cleveland's not going to do it either by the way, but I'm just saying, even though I think the Astros could lose game one because of this layoff, and I do think that's a thing, but I, I think eventually that depth of Houston is just too large. I mean, look what they did in that 18 inning game. Garcia going with six frames is, is stupid. The kind of pitching they have and their depth in everything. They got answers. Houston's got answers in the roster for everything. The Yankees don't have that, but the Guardians do in their bullpen. But if Bieber is going to go and be the second pitcher out, why wouldn't he be the first? And that's, to me, going to be the question if we see him at all. And it's an if. On the Yankee side with Cortez, you figure, you know, hopefully if you're a Yankee fan, if you're Aaron Boone, he's giving you three innings. we got a lead on Savali. And now we're still, we're not out of the woods, by the way, by any stretch. we got to figure out how to get five through nine in those innings with what the hell we got. And I don't even know how you got here with that. They're going to have to figure it out. And Tyone, does he fit in and where? And how are they going to use Holmes? And how many outs can Holmes go? You know, can we go from, hey, the emergency situation to, I mean, is he giving you five outs? Is he giving you six if he has to? I mean, they don't have that many guys that you trust. They don't have what Tito has. But I agree with what Mike Stanton said and and go back to it in the conversation because he's right. The gap closed. I said yesterday on this show, and it sounds crazy, but even though Yankee Stadium, this game played yesterday, the Guardians are the favorites. With what they had in the bullpen, Cortez not starting its tie-owned. Who knows what you're going to get? Some of the bullpen early in the series got, got knocked around. Don't know what you're going to get. If that game played yesterday, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but the Guardians are favored even though they're on the road. You think they, these kids look like they care about being on the road? They're rocking babies after a home run off Garrett Cole that didn't even tie the game, let alone give them the lead. Man, three to two. You think they care? They don't care. All right? They don't care. And by the way, I covered the team daily in 2004 that Terry Francona was running when Tito was with a Red Sox team that wore shirts that said, why not us? And he doing that same kind of why not us thing, far be it with younger and even less talent than he is now with the Guardians. They don't care that they're on the road. But that gap was closed big time when this is delayed a day, when you go tie on to Cortez, when you go ahead and now you say, okay, still no Bieber, and now the Yankees at least give Booney a little bit more of a chance early in the game with Cortez, right? That he can go be dominant. Get It's who gets a lead. It's who gets a lead. And if it's the Yankees, no guarantees. Guardians, no guarantees. You feel a lot better, though, with the group they have. We'll see what happens and plays out in game five of the DS. I, I'm, I'm saying this and putting it out there. I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think Cleveland's going to win this game. I do. The, the day makes it. I would have said they were going to win yesterday. The day after the Savali Cortez thing, I just don't know. There's something about, and I go to what Buck said, and, and, I, and I mean this. Booty is, this is, this is a really tough spot 
right? I mean, look, a lot of people envious and, hey, we all want to be players, we want to be managers. You go manage the Yankees. This kind of position with this kind of pressure is not easy. Not. But you don't have, you know, Chapman can't even, like, show up to do drills to get on the roster. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going against him. I get it. And you're at Yankee Stadium. I get it. But there's something about the Guardians just don't give a crap that's going to play into this. And the fundamentals and the way that they seem to find a way, I still think the Yankees are in trouble in this game. We'll see. The other side in the National League, you get game one. And this is a totally different scenario because you get two teams that because they were able to end their series and because they were able to put it on the teams that they played, right? They get into a scenario where they get some extra rest. So now you get Zach Wheeler and you Darvish, who are the pitchers you want on the hill on both sides. Darvish, give him a ton of credit. Go back to the Dodgers story of yesteryear. Here's a guy who gets traded over, has one great start in NLCS, and then in the World Series was brutal twice. I don't want to hear about they stole signs from you. I mean, literally with that garbage, really. Cry me a river. Honestly, that's been going on forever. He was terrible. Doc left him in too long. If you forget, go back to the series where Darvish gave up I think it was four or five runs by the time they put Kershaw in. Kershaw had one of his best playoff performances ever. He gave up like a hit in four and a third innings, but he didn't start that game. Hello, Bieber Savali tonight. Follow. Even though I don't think Bieber can go that long. But you, Darvish, by the time he got pulled, there wasn't enough urgency from Doc, from Dave Roberts in that spot, and you're down 5 nothing. Darvish has proven himself in big spots down the stretch of this season. Pitcher of the month in September for this team. He was great down the stretch. He was great in the postseason, the series against the Mets. Now he gets a chance to sit there after pitching again, going through the Dodgers to, to, to continue now in an NLCS with this team with San Diego as they're set up again with the arms that they have. And we know, obviously, what you get out of, out of Snell, at least for five innings or so, and Musgrove, who's been brilliant. The Padres' bullpen is set up. Hater is back to being the hater that you want. Bo Mel and that group did a great job figuring him out as they went along in terms of not overusing him. He'd been way more successful. That confidence, that swag that he has, which is what was missing when he came over from that deal with the Brewers, is back. But on the other side, you're kind of finding it. And the comp I gave last week on the pod was I remember in covering the Cardinals and being with them down the stretch and Tony LaRussa joking with me on the field right after they won the World Series and Jason Mock got the last out. The first question I asked Tony LaRussa when I did that post game on MLB Network Radio and Sirius XM was, can you name Mott the closer now? Because he still hadn't even named him officially. They had, I think, three different closers. Ryan Franklin, I don't even remember the other names they had that season. Mott kind of found his way the way Will Smith did last year for the Braves. This kind of happens. Well, guess what? Sir Anthony Dominguez, Eflin and what he's done, Alvarado, the way he's pitched, and they pushed him after the lay and the 30-plus-minute break that he got in the last game. Comes through, gave up a solo shot, and the first pitch he came back to Darno gets the outs he needs, comes out to a standing ovation, pumping up the crowd. They are confident. They've got left side. they got right side covered. they got swing and miss covered. they got guess the bets out, best uh, bats out in October covered. These bullpens are giving you fire. They're giving you gas. And they are giving you opportunities to feel like, hey, if I can be again, that race, that first one to get that lead, seventh inning, I got a chance really to get to the finish line. So both giving you that. Front end for the Phillies, Wheeler, we know. Aaron Nola, how brilliant has he been? How about Nola against Nola? Can we not talk about, look, there can be a lot made of that. Probably we get too many you know, conversations. And I love Kenny with Ken Rosenthal. I'm sure there's going to be plenty about that. Then we go down the, but can you, what that's going to be like, brother, trying to strike out brother in an LCS. Give me all that. Give me all these guys are, are arguing over Madden years ago, right? Throwing controllers at each other, playing street fighter. Give me all that. 
That's going to be fun to watch in this series when Nola starts in game two. And by the way, let's be fair. Also, Nola has been brilliant. He's gotten big hits in the back end, made some huge box blocks behind the plate. One of the big stories to watch in this series will be depth in the lineup. The Phillies have really shown that they've gotten, look, Castellanos, you could turn that season around the way Trent Grisham has, right? And get some big hits. We know about Schwarber at the top end of it. We know about Harper. But at the bottom end, can they continue to get some of those hits out of those those spark plugs, the way the Stotts and some of the other guys have been on the Philly side, where on the Padres side, their bottom of their lineup has been absolutely fantastic. Great in the Mets series. Great in the Dodgers series. Great again. I mean, look, Scherzer, hi. Look what the Padres have faced, right? And, and albeit, ironically, the guy who shut them down the most of anybody they faced left after 86 pitches. And Tyler Anderson, after he said that he could have gone five more innings, which probably was a little stretch, but you get the point. I think this is a long series between the Phillies and the Padres. I think they're very much mirror images of themselves. The Stars got to come to play like they have so far. The Harpers. How about Harper Soto, by the way? I mean, you know, here are two guys. I mean, that torch was passed. Harper then off the team. Soto sitting there at 19 years old, right? Bumpy roads to beautiful places. If you're a Nationals fan, this is like a, it's an ever-loving nightmare watching Harper and Soto go against each other. I mean, you imagine the madness of that, by the way. But that's kind of fun. The Manny Machado thing needs to be brought up. I said this to Mark Feinstein yesterday. You know, I don't know Manny Machado well, but in covering this sport and talking to people around the teams he's been on, talking to him a number of times, always kind of struck you as a really talented player who just kind of either didn't want it or didn't get it when it came to those those other things between the leadership margins that you want. It's why you had you know, stepping on guys' hands and I'm not going to hustle the situation that he went through when he was a Dodger after, by the way, mind you, he had a huge home run to help them win that series against the Brewers in seven games before he gets to the World Series. It doesn't go as well. Is he a guy who plays hurt? Is he a guy you can trust? All of those things have been answered. And ironically, I think after Mr. Pinworm kind of became a problem with Fernando Tatis Jr., it seemed like Machado was like, I've had enough of this crap. And as much as everybody talks about Juan Soto, and they should, he's one of the greatest players in the land. Everybody talks about Soto, which I think you'll get even more so of in this series, starting to find himself. We saw a couple of huge hits in the last round. He's one of the best hitters on the planet. Manny Machado has been the best player on this team. Manny Machado, even with Tatis, who wasn't there, and now Soto, who is, Manny Machado is the star of the San Diego Padres right now, and don't tell me otherwise. That's This guy's the face of the franchise. This is the guy who was paid that way. People said, well, you don't want to win if you're taking First of all, what's winning? I don't want to Charlie Sheen, but what's more winning than getting paid $300 million to hang out in San Diego? Have you ever been there? It's like my favorite city in the country. Like, the weather's perfect. Right now, it's in Atlanta. It's 35 degrees this morning. For what reason? I have no idea. Like, you're not winning more than you're winning getting paid 300 mil to go play in San Diego. But people were giving Manny Machado crap, saying he wasn't going to win. But guess what? He was a great player who's become a winner. And he's turned himself into a leader and a winner. I think Bob Melvin, Bo has helped him. I think kind of what he's gone through has helped him. I think the fact that without Tatis there, you know, people looked at it and said, okay, Manny, this is your team. It's your show now. And he's been able to kind of take the reins of that. Uh, as they've lost other guys. And Bo Mel has, look, again, this is the credit to Dusty Baker, Bob Melvin. These are guys who are lifers, who, un Brian Snicker, Buck Showalter, I understand two of those guys got knocked up. We're talking about postseason, it's still a pretty good thing, right? 
Snit winning it last year. These are guys who understand baseball players and the mentality from being around it so long. They put that onus on Manny and they gave him the ship and he has done what he's needed to. And he deserves a ton, a ton of credit for it. I think in this series, though, something about the uh, streets of Philadelphia right now and something going on where it's just going to be this crazy story where the Philadelphia Phillies, for whatever reason, didn't even look like they could beat the Cardinals and suddenly somehow may be on their way to getting to a World Series. I'm going to take the Phillies. I think this one's going seven. This will all begin tonight. Again, Wheeler on the mound for the nightcap. This one coming up uh, on uh, just after 8 o'clock Eastern time, first pitch on Epis 1. You get the Padres and you Darvish. And what a scene that's going to be in San Diego. Love both those cities. Getting a chance here. And the one that's going to be the lead-up, how about for all the marbles? I mean, what a baseball day this is. Yankee Stadium, Nestor Cortez will get the start. Aaron Savali will get the start. We'll see if we get Bieber, where it goes from there. Guardians and Yankees, that one on TBS, my old friends, coming up just after 4 o'clock Eastern time. You could follow us at Unfiltered. Remember, join the Unfiltered Revolution, Unfiltered and October Unfiltered, presented by our good friends on Bet Online. You can join on Twitter, get on board, get in the bio, get on the YouTube channel or Believes, follow all the coverage and all the things that we've got going here on the Believe Network. I will be back with you live coming up on Thursday and every day at noon throughout the course of the postseason. You'll be able to find us right here. We got plenty in terms of guests coming up the rest of the week. Our thanks today to Mike Stanton, Buck Martinez, and Robert Taylor for joining us. Really appreciate them. Uh, got a fun week that's planned for you along the way where we've got to all sorts of guests that are suited up for us. Uh, Born and Nazari does a great job believing Chargers with Lorenzo Neal will join me uh, coming up on Thursday. Talk about San Diego and we'll cap Padres uh, first couple of games of the series. My buddy, John Gibbons, who's one of the funniest and best people on the planet, longtime manager of the Jays, who now has his own podcast. He will join me on Thursday. We've got all sorts of others as well. You can keep it locked in with us at the Believe Network and, of course, the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. Thanks to everybody who put this together. Enjoy the baseball and the double dip, and may the best team win, even though it seems to never work out that way. I'll see you guys on Thursday at noon Eastern. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.